0: Hey, Real Life Church, God bless you. It's Pastor Jim. It's great to be with you again. I'm so thankful for this January, this uh, this new season that we're in. Uh, we've watched 12 different people decide to follow Jesus this month. Uh, kids at camp, kids at our midweek program, and even a, a young guy on our uh, on our online broadcast last week. I'm so thankful that God's spirit is moving and touching hearts and calling people to himself. And I hope we never take that for granted. I hope we never take for granted how amazing it is, how exciting it is is, what a miracle it is when God invites somebody to step across that line and they embrace Jesus and decide they're going to live life with Jesus from here on out. That's a, that's a great thing. And we baptized eight people this month already as well. So that's a reminder to you uh, when you are, uh, when you're talking to somebody about faith and they decide to take a step across that line, make sure you let me know, send us a note, give us a call, make sure you let me know. Or if you've taken that step across the line, and you're ready for the next step. Next step is baptism. Baptism is that beautiful symbol. Where we celebrate the fact that God washes us clean and brings us back from the dead and sets us free to new life. And if you've never been baptized before, let's get that on the calendar. Let's invite friends, let's invite family, and let's schedule that uh, for the season to come. Now that the weather's warm again, we can have baptisms outside and not freeze. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's plan for that. I'm, I'm just thankful for this season, and I hope you are too. Uh, let's, say a, let's say a prayer together. Jesus, I thank you that you call us on to the mission field. You call us to live lives that matter. And I ask that you would raise up more and more people who will know you and love you and follow you. And then join in this great adventure of leading people to be disciples. Of leading people to know you and going out and making more disciples. Jesus, I thank you for the way that you are changing the world as you call us and empower us and use us and send us. More of that. Uh, and now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. All right, we're going to continue in our series called Territories today. We've been looking at the places in the Bible where God's kingdom has expanded physically and spiritually. The, God's kingdom is expanding uh, physically and spiritually here at Real Life as we look, about, look at acquiring a second property. We're going to be meeting on two campuses. Uh, As you know, we have a preschool in Glendora, and we're going to open that for worship in April. So we'll be worshiping on two campuses at the same time. And God's kingdom is expanding spiritually as people decide to follow Jesus. Uh, God's kingdom is on the move here. And we've been looking at places in the Bible where God's kingdom expanded. God gave Abraham and Sarah land that was theirs. When the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, he led them back to reclaim the land. And Caleb and Joshua went and reclaimed it. And then David decided he was going to build a temple. Actually, his son Solomon does it. God uh, expands the territory of uh, the footprint of worship. And, and then, wouldn't you know it, they end up in slavery again. They thought they had it made. They thought everything was reestablished. And then they were taken away into slavery in Babylon. And that's the part of the... The Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, where all the prophets arise and say, we're going we're to be lost if we don't turn and be faithful to God. But after they've been in slavery in Babylon for a few decades, God calls guys like Ezra and Nehemiah to lead the people back into the land. Cyrus, the king of Persia, conquers Babylon and releases all the slaves. And so the Israelites can go back and rebuild the land that was once theirs. Uh, they can reestablish The temple that Solomon had built in the land that was first given to Abraham and Sarah. And so we're going to pick up today with this this re-establishment of the land. The land that was once theirs and now they're back in again. And talk about what that means for you and I. In order to set up this text, in order to set up this moment uh, in which Ezra leads the people back into their their desolated land. The the temple has been leveled. It's, It's rocks on the ground. And they're going to go back and rebuild it in order to set us up for for feeling what they must have felt. Think about this. Have you ever moved into a new home, into a new apartment or house, and you have to pack up what you have and transfer it into this new place and and unpack it? And and in that process of moving, you have to go through what you own and sort of assess what you need and what you don't need. You look through all the stuff that's just sort of piled up in corners and in closets and in attics and you find that device that will allow you to julienne potatoes and you've never actually needed julienned potatoes before. You find a... You find stuff that was given to you and you didn't feel like you could re-gift it, but you didn't really have a, a use for it. You've got that old cheese fondue set that you never really found a demand for. You find everything that has been blessed with the life-saving incantation of, I might need that one day. And you have to decide what to throw away. But then you also find other stuff that's it's, it's at the, the heart of who you are. It is, it's your DNA. You have photo albums that tell your story, the story of your history. It's like a, a grandfather telling stories to a grandchild so that they know who they are. And you cherish the photo albums. You don't, you don't want to let go of that. There are file cabinets full of passports and records that say who owns what and what's been insured. And you need those, and you hold on to those. There's a, a process that you go through where you distill yourself down to your DNA to the things that matter most when you have to move. We're going to be looking at a period of time in which God's people had to move. Or, or imagine, imagine the founding of a country. Imagine when a country is first established. You really get to set some new DNA when you start a country. If you look at the founding of the United States of America, it was founded on a rejection of monarchy. And to this day, the United States is one of the most free societies in the world because it was founded on the rejection of monarchy, on the rejection of dictatorship. At our our core, at the heart of our DNA is freedom. And in particular, a freedom of religion. When America was established, they were looking to be able to practice the religion that they wanted without the government telling them what kind of beliefs they had to hold. And so while America is not the most religious country in the world today, it is one of the most religiously free countries in the world today. It's easier to be a Muslim in America than to be a Christian in Iran. It's easier to be a communist in America than to be a Christian in North Korea. It's one of the most religiously free countries in the world because that is in our DNA. That's who we were founded to be. You can't take that away. We're going to look at a season in which God's people are moving into a new place. And they're, they're reestablishing their DNA. Saying, this is who we are. We are not Babylon. We are not Egypt. We are Israel. And I want to read to you the text of what they experienced when they began to rebuild. So if you've got a Bible with you, go ahead and uh, open it up. Turn it on. Uh, if you're using those online Bibles, no looking at texts, no looking at Instagram. Uh, look at Ezra chapter 3 at verse 10. And we're going to read the story of God's people migrating back into the land that had been theirs. This is some, some 40 years later, right? A whole generation has passed. There are people who were with them in the, the, the sad journey out of Israel that are now gone. And there are children that have been born. There are adults who have grown up, who have never been in the land of Israel, who are, who are now going back to the land that they'd heard about. Ezra chapter 3, verse 10. Follow along with me in the word of God. When the builders laid the foundation... "...of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as, described, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love in, towards Israel endures forever." Uh, This is from Psalm 136, which was a psalm they used to sing when they would parade towards the temple for the holidays. They'd march towards the temple for the holidays, and they would sing over and over again, He is good, His love endures forever. And if you read the psalm, it reads like a refrain where the leader says one thing, and all the people say back, He's good, His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. And they're singing again again, A song that only the oldest generation would remember. If if the young kids have grown up singing it, it's not in the, the experience of parading towards the temple. Of marching towards the house of their God. So for the older folks, this is a recreation of a celebration they haven't had for a generation. And for the young people, it's just kind of an exciting new time. There's a party going on. There's a promise of hope ahead that's something they've never experienced before. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. The temple that Solomon built had been destroyed by Babylon, and now they're starting again, laying the foundation for it. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping. Because the people made so much noise. And the sound was heard far away. Picture that. Feel that. That's you and I. That's our history. That's our people. That's our story. That's our DNA. And our DNA is to be heard far away. Our DNA, what's written on the the core of who we are as a people, is that we will build a house of worship to the Lord, and there will be such a big party in His name that we will be heard far away. Our DNA is to be heard far away. Picture this. The the older folks had been at the temple before. Before it was destroyed, they saw the horror of their temple being ripped down. They went through the, the agony and the trauma of being dragged off into slavery in Babylon. They knew the stories of the slavery of Egypt. And here they were going through the shame and the horror of losing their home. The young people are just excited. This is a party. They don't know any different. They've grown up in Babylon where they were second-class citizens and now they're being told by their parents, "We're going to go to be a place. We're going to go to a place where it's ours. We don't answer to anybody else. We're not slaves. We don't belong to anybody else. We're going to have our own place." And so the kids are excited. They don't have any memories of this from before. They just know that there's hope in the air. There's excitement in the air. I read this text the first time I stood on the stage when we moved into Valley Center. And there was a a division of the young and the old back then. Uh, I remember when we were moving in here back in 2019, My son wanted to know, my son, uh, who's now 14, so count backwards, wanted to know, is there a piano there? Because he likes to play piano at church after the service over. So he wanted to know if there was going to be a piano. My next-door neighbor's kid, who's even younger, little elementary school kid, uh, wanted to know, uh, is the playground equipment sufficient, right? I need to know, is there a good playground? Uh, Because that's what the young people were interested in. They just want to know, "Is is this going to be something fun? Is this going to be something exciting? Am I going to like this? But for those of us who have been around for a generation... And who have felt the sting of loss. This was a different moment for us. I told my kids at the dinner table. The Saturday night before we worshipped here. You will not understand. Until you're older. And you've suffered some of life's wounds. You will not understand until then. What this move means for our family. This is a moment of redemption. That's what it felt like. To be alive in the time of Ezra. To see the foundation of the house of the Lord being laid again. Realizing that this meant they had a future together. And they threw such a party. The older folks weeping. For the redemption of their memories. The younger people cheering for the excitement of the future. That everything was heard far away. And for you and I, our DNA is to be heard far away. Think about what that means. Let's recall our DNA uh, as we pray over the next territory that God is calling us to. As you and I look at opening our second house of worship For worship on Sunday mornings this spring. And owning perhaps a second property in the near future here. Look at what our DNA is. And don't forget our DNA. Our DNA is about faith in Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that people at our church. Take that step across the line and say. I've never believed in Jesus before. But it seems like he knows something about this life that I don't. It seems like he's got a better plan for me than I could make for myself. I find in him a deeper kind of love. Than I have known anywhere else. And I want to commit myself to him. I'm going to be courageous enough. Bold enough to step across that line. And say publicly I believe in him. Whatever I believed in before. Fine and good. I'm moving on. I believe in him now. And we are a church that celebrates. The gift of faith. That God places in our hearts. We celebrate the act of faith. When we confess and are baptized. If you've never done that before, do it today. Don't put this off. Don't put off the best and most important decision you will ever make. Take that step across the line and watch the adventure that Jesus calls you to. We celebrate faith and then we celebrate baptisms. We've had eight baptisms so far this month already. Don't delay that forever. I know some people think, well, I I became a Christian a while ago and I just never got around to it. Get around to it. It's time. Celebrate baptism. Let that, let that memory, that physical memory of, of water washing over your head remind you of the fact that everything you've ever done wrong is washed away. If you stood in front of Jesus right now and said, I still feel bad about the time I did that thing. He will say to you, what thing? And, and you'll say, well, yeah, but I did a, you know what I did. I did a thing that one time. And he'll say, I don't have any record of that. Because he does not. When you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, your records are erased. Just like water washes away dirt, baptism is the symbol of God washing away the dirt on our hearts. And you don't need to carry around guilt with you for the rest of your life for things that God himself has already forgotten. That's in our DNA. And we want the whole world to know that. Our DNA is to be heard far away. And we believe that so firmly, we believe that so passionately that we are going to take our messages out, take our message outside the walls of the building this spring. Coming up at the end of February. Coming up uh, at the end of this month, we're going to re, uh, uh, reawaken our Alpha program. Alpha is a a video curriculum where uh, we get together inside a restaurant, Frisella's restaurant in Glendora. We offer uh, free dinner and drinks to anybody who wants to come in the door. People walking by on the street that night, friends of yours that you invite, people who see our media online. uh, People, by the way, share this on social media. People are... Uh, Just come in and they get a free dinner uh, in Frisella's restaurant. And then we watch this video. And it's like a 20-minute introduction to Christianity. Real basic kind of message. Here's what is life all about and what does Jesus have to say about that. And then we sit around the table and we just discuss. And the only rule for our table leaders, for our conversation uh, facilitators, is you can't tell anybody they're wrong. People have had enough of the church telling them that they're wrong in the last 2,000 years. You don't get to tell anyone they're wrong. We, we have people who come in and they're, they're of Jewish descent or they're atheists or they're worshiping crystals or whatever it is they do. And we gather around these tables. We watch a video that explains who Jesus is. And then we just talk about it. What do you think that? What does that mean to you? And if somebody says, I think that's absolutely crazy. I don't believe any of that. That's fine. People need to know that in the name of Jesus, they will be loved. No matter what they believe, no matter what they say, no matter how they've lived. We are a people who love like Jesus, who love in Jesus' name. And we're not there to scold them and correct them these nights. We're there to welcome them and have good conversation. And and we've had people step from Alpha across that line of faith and decide to follow Jesus. We had somebody become a Christian at Alpha, and, and his words were, you know, I was lost And now I'm found. We've had people go from attending Alpha for the first time to worshiping with us on Sunday mornings. And we've had people in our congregation who have served as table leaders at Alpha, whose whose faith has has taken that next step. Where now they're, they're more eager, they're more passionate to share the name of Jesus with the world because they've had that experience of serving in Alpha. We do that. We do that ministry because our DNA is to be heard far away. We're not building a holy huddle here at church where we just do the same thing every week for the people who are already already Christians. The church does not exist to offer the familiar to the already religious so they can be comfortable at church. The church exists to lead lost people to Jesus by being a community of grace in every generation. So Alpha comes back again this month. Because our DNA is to be heard far away, uh, we we have a group of people who go around and and uh, drop uh, our flyers on doors in the neighborhoods around the churches. And I think they've I think they may have crossed the ten thousand house limit already. I think they've I think they've already visited. I'm not exaggerating ten thousand houses to say hey Alpha is coming up. To say hey we have Vacation Bible School coming up. To say hey here's worship and they drop materials on the doorsteps of. Uh, houses all around our neighborhoods. Little dedicated team that goes out on Saturdays and does that. If you want to join them, they'd be glad to have you. But, But what they're doing is saying, we believe the message is this important. We believe the church is this important. We want people outside the walls of the church to know about it. Our DNA is to be heard far away. In March, we're going to start giving out groceries on our Glendora campus uh, twice a month on Saturday, second and fourth Saturdays of the month, 10 to 12 in the morning. We need teams to do that. So if, if you want to take part in that, if you want to be a volunteer in that, go to reallife.la slash pantry, and you can sign up, and we'll send you emails on the specifics. But we're doing that because we know there are people in need, not far away, not far away. people in Glendora and the surrounding community, who they may, they may be working, they've got a car, But it's just hard to make ends meet. And if we don't love them, who's going to? Are we going to trust that the government gets this right and takes care of everybody? If the Christian church does not love people, who's going to? And we're going to provide groceries for them. They'll just drive through and put groceries in their trunk as as they go by, say a prayer for them. And let them know that Jesus loves them. Let them know that there's actually people who care, that they are struggling and trying to make ends meet. And we do that. Because our DNA is to be heard far away. The church isn't here to offer the familiar to the already religious so they can be comfortable at church. It's not what good churches do. That's what dying churches do. Our DNA is to be heard far away. And we want to care for people who have yet to pass through the doors of the church. Uh, We want them to know in advance uh, that God loves them. In April, we're going to open our Glendora campus for worship. And that will allow us to extend invitations further to another neighborhood. And then coming up pretty soon, I'm going to say probably this summer, we're going to go down to Mexico and build a church down there. As we, as we establish the church up here, we're going to help establish a church down there for a network of pastors that is already going on down there. Because we want our voices to be heard even farther. Our DNA is to be heard far away. And we want, we want Jesus' name to be known well beyond our own neighborhoods. Jesus calls us to be on a mission to the ends of the earth. Among all the values that we have at Real Life, evangelism is a first among equals. Our our existence is to make Jesus' name known. That's what we're here to do. Here are the words of Jesus. This is how Jesus said it. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. Luke chapter 15, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep? Until he finds it. And when he finds it. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together. And says rejoice rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven. Over one sinner who repents. Than over 99 righteous persons. Who do not need to repent. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd goes looking for lost sheep. And then number three. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd goes looking for lost sheep. Now go be apprentice shepherds. And finally, number four, John chapter 14 Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This is, this is the map that Jesus has laid out for the church. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherds go looking for lost sheep. You are apprentice shepherds. And anybody who loves me is going to do just that. That's the message of Jesus and the call of Jesus for we who believe in him. If, this, if Jesus were to give a graduation speech, this would be it. This is the summary of who he was and what he was doing. I am the good shepherd. I love those lost sheep out there. If you want to join me, let's go reach lost sheep. If you love me, that's what you're going to do. Our DNA is to be heard far away because Jesus set out that, that map for us. Jesus made that our plan. How did the church in the world today get so far from the message of Jesus? How do people who call themselves followers of Jesus, how did they get so far from what Jesus said to do? I, I was thinking back over things that I've actually heard people say in churches. Not in this church. Over the course of my 25 years of ministry and before, these are actual quotes that I remember people saying while while being in a church. I remember somebody on a a church, Bored saying, I am not going to be bothered by other people's problems. That somebody who called themselves a follower of Jesus and had been tapped for leadership in the church. I am not going to be bothered by other people's problems. I remember um, years ago, decades ago, in a church where uh, somebody was sitting in a, in a pew. And there was a, a, a call for uh, support. And, and she turned around and said to an usher, uh, I'm not here to give. It's these people's job to put on services for me. Somebody in the church of Jesus who's saying this. I'm not talking about somebody who's there for the first time. Somebody has been around for a while coming out with things like that. How, how, does, how did the church get to the place where we are today, where the idea of making Jesus known is like an, an add-on for people who are particularly zealous about their faith? Uh, I remember uh, hearing one person at a big church meeting in front of the whole congregation say, the church is only here. To take care of its members. That's its job. Like it's a country club. Like it's a place for insiders. That's not the pattern that was laid down for us in the scriptures. That's not what Jesus did. And that's not what we're called to. Our DNA is to be heard far away. That's the church that Jesus came to build, a church that that feeds people who are in need, a church that reaches people who don't know Jesus, a church that looks for places to expand the footprint of worship so that there are vital churches in the center of our communities. That's what Jesus meant to lay out, and that's what we at Real Life are going to keep doing. So let me talk to a specific audience out there today. I know every week at church, we have people who visit for the first time, and you're brand new. If that's you, welcome. God bless you. If you're tuning in online for the first time, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I want you to see what the church is. But there's, a, there's another crowd out there, and it's people who you've been going to another church for a while, and you, you're comfortable at that church, but you have that sort of feeling like it's, it's not meeting your needs anymore. It's not quite scratching the itch. You're not being fed, and so you're kind of bouncing around to some different churches. Now, hear me, there can be good reasons to, to leave a church, and we'll get into those another time. And if you're on the hunt for a church, I want you to check out Real Life Church. But, but I, don't want a false, I don't want to do any false advertising here. I, I don't want to steer you wrong, because I know, I know there's some people out there, they bounce from church to church, and they're just looking for the one that satisfies them. And i gotta, I got to give you a fair warning here. If you're signing up for a cruise ship because, you know, you want more entertaining services or more activities or better donuts or whatever it is you're in for, you might be awfully disappointed when you get here and you find out there are mandatory classes in life-saving and leadership because this isn't a cruise ship. It's a life raft. We're not here to entertain ourselves. We're here to save other people. And if that's not what you're in for, I don't want you signing up and and feeling like it was a, a false bill of sale. I don't want you you signing up for what you think is going to be a Hilton beachfront property and find out that you're up in the middle of the night fighting a storm because this is a lighthouse. I don't want you to have a a false bill of sale. That's not the kind of church we are. We're not here to offer the familiar to the already religious so they can be comfortable at church. We're here to lead lost people to Jesus because our DNA is to be heard far away. It was laid down with that temple that Ezra rebuilt. It was established in the life and teachings of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. Good shepherds go looking for lost sheep. Come follow me and you get to be an apprentice shepherd. Everybody who loves me will do exactly that. And that's the DNA of real life church. We are apprentice shepherds. So remember the DNA that Jesus has placed inside of you. To quote the words of Caleb that we read a few weeks ago, don't be afraid that if we head out into the world, that the world is going to devour us. We will devour the world. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We have nothing to fear. You know the experience that you get when you go to a church on Sunday mornings and you see people that you haven't seen in a long time. It's, hey, I haven't seen you. It's so good to see you again. Or even if you saw them last Sunday, but you haven't seen them all the way. Hey, I bet they have stories of life and faith to share after this week. And I have stories of life and faith to share. I can't, can't wait to see them again. Here's the vision for our world. Jesus wants me to go walking in one direction around the globe and you to go walking in the other direction around the globe, spreading the name of Jesus wherever we go, loving people in his name, forgiving our enemies, feeding the poor, protecting orphans and widows, doing right in his name, and then meeting up on the other side of the globe and having that same experience where we go, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? I've got great stories of life and faith this year, and I want to hear your stories of life and faith. That's Jesus' vision for our world. Let's never get to the place where we just stick our heads in the sand at church and hide out and have Christian Bible studies and Christian classes, Christian lunches, Christian yoga classes that we call praise a loties Because it sounds even more religious if we name it that. Let's not ever do it that way. At the end of his life. The disciples gathered around Jesus. He had risen from the dead. And they said, what's what's next? Are you going to give us our kingdom now? Are you going to put us in charge? Are you going to give us power? And he said, it's not for you to know the day where you will finally be safe and at peace. Because honestly, that's in the next world. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to go and love people in my name. First in Judea, to the people who are already your friends. Then in Samaria. Samaria. To the people that you don't actually like. And then to complete strangers to the very ends of the earth. You're going to go and make my name known all over the world. And in that I will empower you to change the world. The world is desperate and in need. They want to know that they're loved. They want to know that someone cares. And they're about to know because here comes the church. Here comes the church because you're the church. Now go be the church. Our DNA is to be heard far away. God bless you as you go. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Facebook or Instagram at real life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit Reallife.LA and tap Give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.